wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Stupid idiot. Shut your mouth, you thong-wearing fatty. Party's over, Grandpa. Kane was there! Kane was there too! Yeah! No enhancement needed. This ain't Monday Night Raw! This fight's right! It's Wrestle Rant Radio. What's going on, guys? And welcome back to Wrestle Rant Radio for Thursday, July 30th, 2020. I am Graham G.S. Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well. We've got a usual convo with Mr. Marceau coming up talking about Raw, NXT, and Dynamite from this past week, as well as SummerSlam potentially being on a boat or a beach, maybe? We'll talk about that momentarily. But before we get to any of that, I'll be airing my exclusive interview from a few weeks ago with the all-new NXT champion, Keith Lee. So we got Keith Lee on the line a couple of weeks ago for an awesome interview for Bleacher Report that went up, I think, right after night two of the Great American Bash earlier this month, talking about winning both championships, what went into it, his journey to NXT, who he dedicated the win to, and so much more. It's a great chat. Thoroughly enjoyed talking to the all-new NXT champion. Now, again, this was recorded, I think, the day after. He actually won both belts on NXT. So he has already since vacated the NXT North American Championship. That was actually one of my questions for him, what his plans were for the belt. He did defend both belts simultaneously against Dominic Dijakovic a few weeks ago. Um, but he ended up vacating the North American Championship last week, which is now going to be determined, the new champion, at TakeOver 30 next month in a ladder match. So keep that in mind listening to the interview. Um, so the interviews are a bit backed up. we got Keith Lee today. I plan on airing my exclusive interview with Braun Strowman from right before Extreme Rules next week. And then I'm not sure. So I had two more interviews in the can. Uh, one with Dolph Ziggler, which is from this past week. The interview went up in article form on Bleach Report on Monday morning. I mean, you can check out that article right now. That was a great combo too. And then I also just got on the phone with just earlier today with the current SmackDown Women's Champion, Bailey, for one of my favorite interviews in recent memory. Um, that The audio of that interview should be up at some point in the next month or so. Um, I'm not exactly sure when, but probably soon. Um, so just keep an eye out for that here on the show in the weeks ahead. And um, yeah, so a lot of cool interviews going on right now. You can check out all my NXT interviews. I know Keith Lee's on the show here today, but I actually got to talk to Johnny Gargano just this past week for DailyDDT.com before he faced Roderick Strong on that Wednesday's episode of NXT. We talked about him wanting to face Kyle O'Reilly at TakeOver 30, being in a Marvel, Star Wars, what he's watching right now on TV, and so much more. That was a great chat. That's up right now on DailyDDT.com. But uh, before we get to any of that, we got Keith Lee on the line here today talking his two wins at the Great American Bash Part 2. And I say two wins, but I actually meant one win for two titles when he beat Adam Cole to become the all-new NXT champion. Before we get to him, before we get to Mr. Marceau, you can find WrestleRant Radio on NextDayWrestling.net, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio. We're all over the place, baby. So rate the show. Uh, review the show, subscribe to the show. All that stuff is greatly appreciated with new episodes going up every single Thursday. If you like cool content, you like exclusive interviews, this is the show for you. 
And um, yeah, that's about it. You can find me on the socials as well on Twitter at WrestleRant on Facebook.com at Facebook.com backslash Graham.GSM.Matthews and also on YouTube at YouTube.com backslash Matthews. So without further ado, here's my exclusive interview with the all-new NXT champion, Keith Lee. Lovely. Hello there, Graham. Good hey. morning to you. How's it going, Keith? How are you doing coming off your championship win last night? Well, you know, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to keep it together, man. Just trying to process everything and enjoy it as much as I can. How are you doing? Doing today? awesome. Doing awesome, man. I had the chance to meet you back at an Evolve show in February, so it's you know, we're still obviously the NXT North American champion at that point. That was back when we had fans in the arena, and that was only to think it was four or five months ago. It's been quite the whirlwind of the last couple months for you and just everyone else in the wrestling world, you know? It has absolutely been that, but it has also been a wondrous, joyous learning process as well. 100%, 100%. So coming off winning the NXT Championship last night, what's the first thing that you do to celebrate, and who's the first person you either talk to or call at that point? Uh, well, the first person that I spoke to was Cole, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, and that wasn't on air, obviously, mm-hmm. but uh, there was just a moment after all the celebration and the, the pyro that I wasn't expecting and the confetti and mm-hmm. all this crazy stuff, and I'm covered in stuff, but I look down and I see him sitting in the corner, and I'm just like, that guy is awesome. <laughs> and, and so, mm-hmm. I'll go ahead. Oh, no, no, sorry, go ahead. I was, I was going to ask the next question, but you can go ahead. I was just saying, in that moment, I had to tell him that he, he gained a different level of respect for me, and, mm-hmm. and I shook his hand, and that was the first conversation I had. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you know, it was custom to see Triple H take a picture with every new champion NXT, you were no exception. That picture went live on Twitter immediately after the event. Um, there was a picture floating around on social media right afterward of you and Triple H from last night, as well as a picture of you brawling with Triple H in the IOA on Raw when you worked as an extra back in 2009. Um, that's got to be like a full circle moment for you, right? Yeah, um, uh, so <laughs> a lot of people have been sharing that and then also sharing something from, from recent uh, history in my career. And, and it's it's always, it tickles me so much to look back and be like, man, this guy was beating me up, you know, <laughs> just you know, a little over a decade ago. and. Mm-hmm. Now I'm standing here getting the finger point photos, and, <laughs> and now I get a double serving of it. It's it's, um, it's something real special, man. It's it's one of those things that you kind of have to cherish, and you need to take a moment to just stop what you're doing, just sit, mm-hmm. take a deep breath, embrace it, and say, "Wow, mm-hmm. what a journey this has been." And so, yeah, when I see that, dude, it's it's some people call it coming full circle, and I just. I guess I have to concur. I have to accept that that's what that is. And it's really awesome. Really freaking awesome. And Tom Phillips mentioned, too, in a tweet right after the show went off the air, and I thought this was incredible. No one, I didn't really think about this until you tweeted it out, how you won the championship at the Great American Bash, kind of the birth child, so to speak, of Dusty Rhodes. And a lot of people have made comparisons between you and the great Dusty Rhodes. Um, how does how that to get those type of comparisons on such an iconic night in the return of the Great American Bash, an event that we haven't seen in close to a decade? So, Dusty 
Dusty Rhodes holds a different level of special for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really necessarily consider myself a comparison to him because mm-hmm. he he was something very different and unique. But he is the reason, and he is the creator of Bask in My Glory. And so that guy, from the way that I present myself to the way that I speak, is someone that has been a guide for me. Mm -hmm. So I don't really necessarily always relate to the comparisons, Mm -hmm. but I will always and forever relate to him as a pupil and as someone that loves him and appreciates him. Mm And it's been months that you guys have been competing at the Performance Center to the point now where for fans, it just kind of feels normal to accept the current circumstances for what they are. Um, did not having that, you know, electric crowd that we've seen you compete in front of at a takeover or whatnot, did that ever occur to you during the match, before the match, or is it one of those things where you're just happy to have just appreciated that moment at all just, just happening, you know? So, when, um, yes, I can say I miss the crowd, but that's because of the connection that we have. We being me and the WWE Universe. But I don't think that it's something that really registered for me in that match Mm -hmm. because there's such a certain level of intensity and a certain level of competition where the focus is so heavily on the fact that hey, this is a championship match. Oh, but wait, this is not only a championship match. This is also a champion versus championship match. Mm -hmm. And now this is a winner-take-all match. And you're talking about the two top guys in this brand. Dude, I was locked in. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It didn't matter who was there or who wasn't there. Adam Cole is someone you give respect to when you're in the ring. And he commands it, and you can feel it in his aura when he steps in the ring. And, and if you're not there to do battle, then you're probably going to get stomped over. You're probably going to get well. I got kicked in the face a lot. <laughs> you, you're going to get you're going to get taken out. We'll put it that way. <laughs> And you guys, I know you guys had a match as part of the uh, <clears throat> the Worlds Collide tournament about a year, year and a half ago. Other than that, and maybe some dark matches, not dark matches, but like live event matches you guys have worked, have you had much history working together against each other before WWE at all, you and Adam Cole? No, 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 no. We had never wrestled before WWE. Um, I say that my cup offense was slightly late, um, and he was yeah, I, I never crossed paths with him until WWE, and mm-hmm. it's unfortunate, but man, it, it, it was special even in that match, so mm-hmm. uh, it was a joyous competition. Uh, what are your immediate plans for the NXT North American Championship, a title you've held for almost, you know, over six months now? Do you kind of hold, do you plan to hold the both belts, you know, a la Seth Rollins a couple of years ago, or is it going to be more of an Ultimate Warrior situation where you focus on the NXT Championship and possibly vacate the North American title? So I'm not sure just yet. I think in this moment, in this circumstance, now typically when it comes to accomplishments, you know, I knock out the accomplishment and it's on to the next thing. Mm -hmm. 
But in this circumstance, I've kind of promised myself that I would just celebrate this experience and cherish the moment and revel in it for as long as I can before I figure out the next step. And though I'm not certain what I'm doing under the circumstances right now, whatever it is that I do, I want it to be just as meaningful, just as monumental as it was for me in winning both of these championships and becoming the first ever North American and NXT world champion. So I, I need to search myself and see what feels best to me. Mm-hmm. And it was only two years ago from last month that you made your debut in the crowd at NXT TakeOver Chicago 2. But it wasn't until TakeOver War Games just last November that you had your first major match on a TakeOver show. Um, and then obviously it's been just firing in all cylinders since then. Um, how much have the past eight months been a whirlwind for you from winning the North American title, competing at Survivor Series, Royal Rumble, and everything else. Have you been able to, I mean, for lack of a better term, bask in that glory and soak it all in since everything kind of started rolling? Um, I think it's sometimes difficult to find time to do that because our industry is so very go-go-go and there is no off-season there's none of that. You need to find a way to stay healthy enough to compete while also being a high-end competitor, especially as a champion. And so I personally think that all of this began the moment that we went live on the USA Network for mm. two hours, man. And it has been that whirlwind ever since then. And I've actually... Cherish it. I, I love that busyness. I love having to find a way to keep it together each week, mm-hmm. and that's that's been a joy for me. So so yeah, it's been a whirlwind, but I've I've loved it like the Tasmanian devil, my man. <laughs> Uh, did you ever think there was a chance in the last eight months, or the amazing run that you've been on, that you would maybe move on to Raw or SmackDown, especially after the amazing showings that you had again at Survivor Series, at the Rumble, maybe impress the right people, move on without ever actually fulfilling your destiny as the NXT champion? Did you ever think that was a possibility, or did it never really cross your mind at the moment? I mean, the reality is that's a possibility in every circumstance. There are plenty of people on Raw or SmackDown that have never had a match in NXT mm-hmm. or never won a championship in NXT. And sure, I think that that's something that's like, hmm, I don't know. It, it's hard to it's hard to tell what's going to happen because <clears throat> mm-hmm. you just can't predict the future, right? So my my thought process, my belief is just to try to be as ready as I can for whatever circumstance occurs. But in this circumstance, I just happen to keep myself ready enough for a 25 minute brawl, <laughs> knockdown, drag out, main event battle with Adam Cole and come out victorious. Mm. 
And that championship has such a long lineage with the amount of people that have held it in the last eight years. There haven't been too many champions, but the people that have held it have gone on to great success in NXT, on Raw, on SmackDown. I mean, it's like a who's who. Kevin Owens, Shinsuke Nakamura, Robert Roode, Finn Balor. The list goes on and on and on. Um, Do you see yourself being in the same, you know, having been in the same company as those same people um, with those former NXT champions, achieving that same level of success that you are right now on the level of Raw or a SmackDown, or are you just kind of more content of making the most of living in the moment of where you are right now? I think it's both. Mm-hmm. I very much believe in making the most of my present, but I'm also a very strategic human being, and so for me, it isn't just about my present. I'm also looking into the future and trying to think of the ways that I can... Um, I guess facilitates more competition and also capitalize on my own wins and my own accolades and and make everything mean as much as I possibly can. Because to me, when you make what you do mean something, those moments matter so much more. And that's, dude, I didn't create it. Somebody else started calling me a moment maker and I just ran with it. Mm -hmm. So, I think my duty is to continue making those moments in whatever capacity that's going to be. And I'm hopeful that that continues to be in high caliber matches because that's what I love. And, I mean, you've definitely lived up to your nickname as the Limitless Keith Lee, uh, and your potential is indeed limitless from what we've seen so far in NXT, but also the praise that you've received from several legends, including, as you've mentioned yourself, Mark Henry, you know, bringing back the big man magic to WWE and pro wrestling on the whole. Um, how cool has it been to get that type of praise and to really, you know, no, to, to prove those people right, get that moment, say, yes, I am indeed the NXT champion. And I, I know you talked about last night to uh, Mackenzie Mitchell right after the show about how your coach had passed away this year as well and everything I mean just kind of everything seems to be happening for a reason uh, how much has that meant to you um yeah the actuality is that my coach's funeral was the day before the match and oh wow I was actually fortunate enough to attend that and seeing his family uh, they, they, they had heard some things regarding me dedicating things to you know, my match, you know, regardless of the results, mm-hmm. was for him. And, yeah, after after everything was done, I, I spent a lot of time with him on my mind and, and the family on my mind uh, because his son, Clayton, is someone that when I was training... He was around often and, and sometimes would train with me and, and that guy was just a monster in the ring. And so we had, we had some special moments kind of reliving the past a little bit when I was there training and kind of coming up in the beginning of my my career. Um, yeah, looking back on all of that, it was special for Killer and, and the family. But yeah, it's also special for Mark because... Mark is someone that has uplifted me ever since I first saw him at a takeover I wasn't wrestling on. He was like, I can't believe you're not on this. And we have talked and a lot of things transformed for me after that within me. Um, and it's, it's helped me along. But, you know, there's, 
there's plenty of people that have offered me knowledge and, and little trinkets of things that I can make use of from him to Terry Taylor to Triple H to Matt Bloom to Road Dog to Norman to Scotty Tuhati and mm-hmm. when you take all those off, even the Undertaker man I, I don't give him enough credit that guy even before I ever made it to WWE he doesn't even remember it we had the conversation he doesn't remember having the conversation but mm-hmm. he gave me a bit of knowledge when I was only a, a few years into to this sport and then he gave me more recently. I cherish these things and try to show them. Not only do I listen, but I apply what you say. I want you guys to know in, in case they never get to hear me say it again, we don't get to hang out again or whatever it may be. I want them to know that I value everything that they give me at the highest of levels and I will do my best to uphold and uplift them and everything that I do in this sport. Mm-hmm. And we got to see that last night as he became the NXT champion for an amazing moment. Keith, I, I really appreciate the time. Congratulations on the win, and uh, best of luck in the future, my man. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate the time from the all-new NXT champion, but now let's get into my conversation with Mr. Marceau, talking Raw, NXT, and Dynamite from this past week, as well as SummerSlam maybe being on a boat or on a beach. Mr. Marceau, welcome back to the show, brother. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you, GSL? Doing amazing, as always. we got a lot to get to between Raw, NXT, and Dynamite from this past week. Before we go any further, though, i gotta, you know, I, I got to get your two cents on this. Uh, probably the biggest news story that I can think of coming out of this past week, not relating to what happened in the ring on those respective shows I just mentioned, involves SummerSlam. Now, WWE announced about a week ago, actually exactly a week ago from today, last Thursday, that it will not be happening in Boston. As we originally hoped for, it was announced a year ago. We were looking forward to what I was going to see you there. Um, to the surprise of probably nobody, they're moving it um, out of Boston. But it's still probably going to be happening outside of the Performance Center. Now, it has not been confirmed. Did not say in the press release that they were going to be at the PC. Um, that's probably their last resort. But per reports from at WrestleVotes, a very credible Twitter account when it comes to like backstage stuff and whatever in WWE... They're reporting that Vince is looking at, no joke, having SummerSlam on a beach or a boat this year. Now, the beach thing I've, I've pitched before. Uh, I'm not the only one. I know Randy Cruz has been very high on the idea of doing it on a beach. He's been saying that for months. I love the idea. If, if doable, if feasible, I would love to see them do that safely. Um, I'm not sure if that is feasible, if they could find a beach where they could do the show. Um, in Florida, I feel like it would be a fucking nightmare with what's going on down there right now. A boat sounds even worse. I know, you know, we had the Jericho cruise. Not exactly sure how that would work. Um, I am, I'm very interested to see how this plays out. If they could do it safely. I'm very excited to see what the tagline for the show would be. (laughs) If if they ended up doing it on a boat or on a beach. Um, I am cautiously optimistic about where SummerSlam may take place this year. And I feel like anywhere would be better than the PC. The PC, they've, you know, it's served its purpose. It's given them a place to film their shows, which is cool. But even if they do it outside of the building, I feel like that would be a refreshing change of pace for what's supposed to be one of their biggest pay-per-views of the year. Um, What are your two cents, RJ, on SummerSlam potentially taking place on a beach or a boat this year? I like the boat, uh, not the boat, I like the beach idea. I think that would be pretty neat. Like you said, before it being a, a nightmare with the, the coronavirus, I don't know how... You, I, I think they could just probably, like... I don't know if you could 
like rent a beach or like pay a town to use the beach and as like a private function and then you could just have like pc members and other people in the crowd so you can still have a crowd but not like actual other people because I, I mean florida's a nightmare I, w- I wouldn't want people being there i just that's just sounds like a terrible idea right now but <laughs> yeah. going to a beach would be pretty neat or like you pitched before like even if they did it outside of the performance center just like out hey in the parking lot and just kind of dressed it up a little bit. It, like you said, the Foreign Center has been good at just with the big show. And not that WrestleMania didn't have a big feel, just like it was in front of nobody. So I think being either outside or on a beach would be a pretty neat idea. Just use the uh, PC members as a crowd. The boat idea, eh, I just don't really love that idea. So I would keep it to the beach or outside. I believe the latest update was that they were looking at doing the show somewhere here in the Northeast. Obviously, Boston is out of the is out of the uh, question. Um, is out of the question after what happened last week with Boston saying, "I think we've been over this before." But I think they. I mean, you you live in Massachusetts, so I would assume that you would know. But I think they're closed down on like mass gatherings until at least Labor Day weekend, right in early September. Yeah, there's nothing really going on here. Uh, no big gatherings or anything like that. So we'll see. Um, hopefully, I mean, they go back to Boston at some point for a big pay-per-view like this. I know they were in, uh, Boston for SummerSlam, what, back in 2006. Were you at that show or no? Yes. Okay, you were at that show, so it would be cool if they go back there at some point. I love the TD Garden. I have not been there in several years. Um, they were there for the Rumble back in 2011. You were there for that as well, right? Yes. Um, (laughs) they were there for Survivor Series. I forgot about that. Survivor Series 2013. Thankfully, you were not there for that one, though. Thank goodness. Yeah, I wasn't there for that. I think the next show was Money in the Bank. Yeah, 2014. You were there for that one. there for that. And then we went to TLC 2015. <laughs> Your favorite's <laughs> up next. And then <laughs> the went to the worst show I've ever been to. <laughs> oh, 2016. That was the last time I think you were there, probably. Um... I'm trying to think. Uh, it may have been... Actually, no, I was there one more time after that. It just wasn't with you. I was there for a SmackDown show. It was the shakeup. Um, it was right after WrestleMania. We, we went to WrestleMania, not together, but you were there, I was there, and uh, I, I went. ended up going to SmackDown like a week later in Boston for like the shakeup show. I think I went with Tommy. I think I went with... Uh, uh, with Tom that for that show. But yeah, no, I haven't been there at least probably since then. That was three years ago. So I'm really excited to be back at some point. Um, I don't know if they would bring back Survivor Series there. And I laugh because that show sucked. <laughs> if you go back and watch Survivor Series 2013, I still say this seven years later, it's still one of the worst shows I've ever seen. Potentially even worse than Hell in the Cell. Like, we shit on Hell in the Cell. I think Survivor Series was worse. With the main event of Randy Orton versus the fucking Big Show. Um, that show was absolutely terrible. But anyway... So, yeah, I really like the beach idea. I don't know how plausible that is. I heard the Northeast. I don't know exactly where they might be thinking. Um, I might be busy on August 23rd, but is your backyard available, Mr. Marceau? Yeah, they can set up a ring in my backyard. I'm, I'm, I'm down. <laughs> so, again, a Raw this past week. Overall, I thought it was a good show. Um, you know, people like to poop on Raw. It's kind of the cool thing to do. And I have my fair criticisms of the show as well. Uh, from week to week. But I thought the show this week, you know, served its purpose, setting the stage for SummerSlam in a couple weeks, making matches official. You now have a WWE title match set in stone for SummerSlam and the Raw Tag Team title match with the Street Profits facing Andrade and Angel Garza. So I'll run down the highlights from the show this past week. We might as well start with the WWE title match. Um, It's going to be McIntyre and Orton again to the surprise
noise of absolutely no one for the WWE Championship at SummerSlam. What's your expectation slash anticipation level, Mr. Marceau, for that matchup? No, I'm excited for this. I, like you said, not that's coming out of surprise or anything. We kind of knew this was going to be the match, but Randy's been the top heel, I would say, in the company since WrestleMania, and uh, Drew's been the top babyface, so I think it makes sense. Uh, should be a good match. Love the little start of the feud on on Monday night with uh, Randy dropping Drew after the, after the match he had with Ziggler, and I think it's going to be a good build-up, and I think it'll be a good match. I think we went over this last week, but is it the right time to put the belt on Randy Orton? Is he the guy to beat McIntyre to win that championship? Um, I think at this point, I I couldn't really name anyone else. I think if anyone would have beat him, it would be Randy. No one else has really been built up big enough to even contend with Drew, I would say. I mean, Bobby was nice, but they pushed him for a month, and then he's kind of done pretty much nothing since then. Ziggler, come on. <laughs> um, Andy, like I said, he's probably the top heel in the company right now. So if it's anyone, anyone's going to be Drew. I think it, it would be Randy. Yeah, I mean they have a lot of talented people on Raw, but Bobby already got his shot. He would be nice if they built him back up, but it seems like he's being kind of slotted at the mid card United States Championship level. So that's probably not happening. Um, but yeah, Orton seems to make the most sense. I don't love the idea just because he. You know, he, he's been champion before. None of his reigns in the last, I would say, 10 years have been overly great. When he was with the Authority, it sucked. Uh, when he held the belt for a month a few years ago, that sucked. Um, he really hasn't had a lot of reigns in the last number of years. I know he was champion again for a couple of weeks back in 2017 when he won at WrestleMania. But then Jinder beat him for it like a month later. Um, he would have to go all the way back to WrestleMania 30, I think, for the last time he was WWE champion when he was with the Authority. And as I mentioned, that wasn't all that good either. Um, but as I mentioned on Twitter after Raw this past Monday, this is going to be Orton's eighth world championship match at SummerSlam. He faced um, Benoit, he who shall not be named, even though I just named him, um, at SummerSlam 04 to win his first world championship, faced John Cena in 2007 for the WWE title, 09 faced John Cena again, although he was the champion, I believe, going into that show, the roles reversed. Um, 2010, he faced Sheamus. 2011, he faced, uh, he faced Christian. 2013, he cashed in Money in the Bank and actually won the WWE title from Daniel Bryan. And then in 2019, just last year, he ended up beating, or facing rather, Kofi Kingston for the WWE title. Um, any favorite Randy Orton SummerSlam memories, Mr. Marceau? And is Randy Orton Mr. SummerSlam, in your opinion, if not someone else? Um, I mean, the, the most fondest memory I have is him beating... Uh, he who should not be named at WrestleMania uh, <laughs> 2004. I mean, that was his kind of breakout moment. Then, I mean, he got pretty much buried right after that by Triple H. But, uh, no, that was definitely a big moment. Youngest world champion of all time. Um, those other matches, I mean, I can't really recall any of them off the top of my head. Um, but, no, I, I think the first one definitely was was definitely the biggest moment I can remember. Um I guess you could call him a just SummerSlam. I mean, he's like you said, he's always in a big match. I feel like Cena and Batista always were in big matches as well, so not sure if I want to slate him in as that, but he definitely has always been a big-time player at SummerSlam. I had this discussion the other day with Randy, with uh, Randy Cruz, and I don't think the podcast is up yet. It's not going to be up, I don't think, for another couple of days, a week or so. Um, but I think we settled on Bret Hart just because he had, uh, not recently obviously, but you go all the way back to the 90s, he had a lot of great matches with uh, British Bulldog, of course, in the main event of SummerSlam 92, had a match, I believe, with Mr. Perfect in 91, if I'm not mistaken, 
Um, faced Owen Hart in 94, great match there. Faced Undertaker in 1997. I would probably go with him. Orton is high up there, though. I don't know if he, if he is Mr. SummerSlam, number one, um, but he would probably be two or three on that list for as many matches as he's had on the show over the years. Um, Edge has one of the best records, having won a number of matches. The thing with Edge, though, is that you can't really recall many matches that he had. Um, I know he beat Cena in 06. He was a part of TLC 2 or TLC 1, I think. Um, at SummerSlam 2000, I remember that. I, there's not many. I know he faced Taker in 08. That's one of my favorite Hell in the Cell SummerSlam matches. Um, yeah, there's not a lot of other wins I can think of that he had that I thought were like overly amazing for Edge at SummerSlam. But yeah, those are a few names that come to mind. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to McIntyre and Orton for the WWE Championship. As I mentioned, we have new number one contenders for the Raw Tag Team titles, Andrade and Angel Garza. Um, would you put the belts on Andrade and Angel Garza, Mr. Marceau, at SummerSlam? Um, I think it's the right move. I, I don't, you, I know you're bigger on the Street Profits than I am. I just, I don't know, I, they haven't been on Raw that much. The act alone doesn't really entertain me too much. I think it's, some days it's good, some days it's just like, turn the channel, but, uh, I guess, I think, if they don't win here, then what do you do with Angel Garza and Andrade? I guess split them up at this point, but whether they're teasing them, finally getting on the same page and winning. So I would put the belts on them, eventually do some kind of breakup and actually mean something at that point, and then you can turn one of them face, one of them heel. But I would have them win the belts at SummerSlam. So the thing with them is that, you know, it's the same thing like with Orton and McIntyre, where if it's not them winning the belts at SummerSlam, who else could? That division is in so much shit right now, and, you know, the NXT tag team division isn't much better. Um, SmackDowns is also in pretty bad shape. But I, I, I feel like Raw doesn't even have any teams. They have the Profits, they have the Raiders, who've already faced the Profits a, a number of times and lost. Um, Alexander and Ricochet, who were glorified losers, who took the loss on Monday night. And they're great, but they haven't been built up at all. And then you have Andrade and Angel Garza, who are a makeshift tag team. Other than them, I don't really know of any other teams that are on or that are on Raw. Um, I know they had Shane Thorne and Brendan Vink on there for a while. We haven't seen them in months. Um, I don't really give a shit about them anyway, so I'm kind of happy about that. But uh, yeah, I think this is the right time to transition the belts from the Profits to Andrade and Garza. As you mentioned, I am a fan of the Prophets. I think they're great. Um, they weren't on TV for a while, I assume. <clears throat> I think Angel Angelo Dawkins, we, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Um, I think one of them just had a baby. Angelo Dawkins, that is. So I assume that's why he was off the show. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to the match. Their match last week was great. I'm not exactly sure why you would do the match on Raw and have the Prophets win if you were going to do the match at SummerSlam anyway. And they filmed the shit on the same night, so I'm not really sure why they did that. Um, but anyway, I'm looking forward to the match. So also from Raw this week, I got to ask you about this. Um, I don't know if this is building to something at SummerSlam or somewhere else, but we got Nia Jax versus Shayna Baszler on Monday and ended in a no contest. It was one of those things like, oh, what you could do, I could do better type of things when they were beating up the producer on Raw. Um, Where is this going, RJ? Where are they going with Shayna and Nia Jax? I thought they might be building to Shayna in the Raw Women's Championship picture, but it looks like that won't be the case. Yeah, that's what I thought they are going to do as well. I thought... Shayna would, I, I was assuming Asuka would have won and then could have done her and Shayna at SummerSlam, but clearly they're not doing that with Sasha winning on Monday, but um, I'm not sure what they're going to do with these two. I, I think eventually we'll probably come to some kind of cage. I think it's probably like a steel cage sounds like how they're kind of trying to blow this off. I'm not sure exactly when they do it, but not that I'm overly interested in it, but at least it's giving them something to do. 
um, the time being, obviously not in the title picture, but hopefully Shayna wins. I'm all set with Nia Jax winning, but uh, I would say some kind of stip match, maybe a cage match, and just blow this over, hopefully soon. Yeah, um, I was thinking in my Raw review, this is what I, not pitched, but this is what I feared. Do you think this might be leading to a Shayna Baszler, Nia Jax tag team by any chance? I hope to God, no. <laughs> Shayna's great, I just don't want to see her in the tag team division. I feel like they haven't done enough with her on her own, where she doesn't need a partner, and she should not be chasing the fucking tag team titles. Um, but how can we talk about Raw without without you know mentioning the fact, as you just mentioned, RJ, that we have a new Raw Women's Champion in Sasha Banks? Now, my two cents on it are this. I thought the match was great, as it was at Extreme Rules. But much like at Extreme Rules, I thought the finish was shit. Having Sasha beat Asuka by countout to win the belt. I know it's wrestling. You're supposed to hate Sasha for it. I guess. Um, it protected Asuka. Ooh, like, Asuka's been beaten so many times by now. It doesn't, to me, it hardly fucking matters if they pin her or not. Um, it, it's not that Asuka's being buried. I feel like I made these comments with people thinking that I said that Asuka was being buried. I mean, it doesn't matter how many accomplishments you have. You can still be misused. I mean, Dean Ambrose, he didn't leave because his contract was up and, you know, he had done everything there was to do. He just wasn't happy there. I'm not saying that Asuka's not happy. But, I mean, he also had a lot of accomplishments, but he still felt misused to a, to a certain extent. He didn't feel as big as he probably should have in WWE. I get that same feeling from Asuka, who has won a lot of titles, a lot of achievements, a lot of accomplishments, but she doesn't feel remotely as special as she should. And all the start and stop booking, as they mentioned on Hashtag this past week, does not help at all. Having her lose the championship after two months when it was so clear that it looked like they were building to her and Shayna at SummerSlam, which could have been great. And we could still get that at some point. Uh, and we may still get it. I mean, Asuka could always win the belt back next week, and they could do that match at SummerSlam. I feel like it's way too much hot potato booking for that to matter. Um, but what the fuck's going on here, dude? I mean, what the what the fuck's going on with Sasha being the new Raw Women's Champion? Uh, what were your thoughts on it? Completely agree with you. I think just like with Extreme Rules, it was a really, really good match. The finish was just, just terrible. I mean... I just, I understand, like you, I think you said it in hashtag, you like said it perfectly. Like, one thing, if Baylor's with a run, Kyrie Zane over the car, like a fucking forklift or like gonna kill her, she just <laughs> yeah. was the shower. Yeah, I understand, like that's your friend, but okay, she literally was just about to, like, theoretically was about to beat, beat Sasha, and then she just gave up and ran away. Like you said, the countout finish, like that shit just sucks. I don't know. I would, I just, I just, it just, yeah, it makes me want to hate Sasha because she won the belt in such a shitty way, but it just also makes Oscar look like a fucking idiot. But we'll see what happens. Like you said, I think it might be. I would. I want to see her and uh, Shayna at SummerSlam, but like you said, I don't want to see the belt just flip flopping around. So we'll see what happens. I don't. I'm not totally against Sasha's champion. I just think the way that she won it was just stupid. And like you said before, if she doesn't beat Bailey, who's gonna beat Bailey? And at this point, the whole division on SmackDown's a bunch of losers. Like Nikki Cross again. Like who cares? She just lost. Like she beat Bailey's beaten her probably like three or four times clean. Like why does she keep getting title matches? I don't get it. So mm-hmm. um, we'll see what happens. I like you said. I, I was hoping Oscar mm-hmm. would be here, and then they do her and Shayna at SummerSlam, and then Bailey and Sasha. 
they still could do that, I guess, but I just, I just don't think people would care as much at this point. Yeah, I mean, what's the end game here? Obviously, I assume Sasha and Bailey feud. It just doesn't look like it's going to be anytime soon. Definitely not at SummerSlam. Unless they lose all their belts, like the tag titles and, and the Raw Women's Championship. I mean, I guess they could have Bailey lose on Friday and then have um, Sasha and Bailey face off for the Raw Women's Championship, but they're both technically on SmackDown. So I just think that's stupid. And they're the tag team champions. They would have to drop those in the next week, which would feel rushed, just because there's no new contenders for those as well, either. So the whole thing is just a mess. Um, Ember Moon actually went on the record on Twitch this past week, and she mentioned how she thought it was a bad idea, in so many words, for them to put the belts on two women when there's so many other women sitting at home with nothing to do. And I absolutely agree with her. Um, I just feel like they're sacrificing everyone in that division for this one story. And that's not to say that Bailey and Sasha aren't good. I feel like it would be a lot worse, and I gotta acknowledge this, if it was Naya in this spot, or Tamina, who I just don't think are very good at all. <clears throat> but Bailey and Sasha have been, by and large, very entertaining in this angle. They've been holding up their end of the you know their their end of the bargain, so to speak, in this storyline. Um, but I I just don't think it's worth it. Like, Naomi was popular for a while. They threw her to Bailey and had her get sacrificed. Lacey Evans, same thing. She was getting over as a face. They sacrificed her to Bailey. Now, Asuka. Now, Asuka will be just fine. I realize that. But I feel like it's the same old shit. Let alone the brand spell being in the toilet when you put the Raw Women's Championship on a SmackDown superstar. I just don't really know where you go with this. I mean, what do you do at SummerSlam, RJ? Yeah, I don't know. Like you said, I... Like, I understand they're an entertaining act, because they definitely are, but like you said, they're sacrificing the rest of the division for what? Like, what? the end game is like, in like, I just, like I said, they're entertaining, but it just makes everyone else on the roster look terrible, and there's nothing for them to do, and it's just a nightmare. I'm just not sure exactly what they're going for with this. Like you said, I know they're entertaining and such, but when she's beating everyone, it just, everyone else just means nothing. And they hold the tag belts. Those basically are useless because there's no real other teams. It's just a mess. We'll, we'll see what happens. I just, if they do them at SummerSlam, I just think it would be silly, like you said, especially if Bailey did lose on on Friday and they contended for the Raw Women's Champion, even though they're both SmackDown competitors. So, who knows? We've been talking about this is like literally like nauseating how much we talk about. They just can't not book anyone besides the four horse women. I mean, Come on, there's more people, and just, just, I, I like the other, only other issues like they built their like besides them they've pushed Oscar she's won a lot Alexa Bliss the same thing, but it's just like there's other women that they just haven't put that much effort in like Alexa Bliss would be nice winning but there's other women as well just like Oscar like nice that Oscar's champion besides one of them but they, we've done that so many times and Oscar hasn't really meant much since a while basically mm-hmm. like. Need to push maker like the old Oscar, like a badass, not like this goof that's dancing around and not taking anything seriously. So we'll see what happens, but I, I fear that they're just going to keep on Sasha and Bailey and just run that well more dry than it already is. Yeah, I just feel like by the time they finally get to the match, not that no one would care, but I feel like the demand is going to be a lot less there than it would be right now. You got to strike when the iron is hot, and I'm a big proponent of not rushing things. But, dude, we've been in this, this storyline now in the build for this match between Bailey and Banks for at least four years now since Bailey first showed up on Raw. So, not a big fan of them dragging it out even further than it needs to past SummerSlam. We'll see where they go with it. Um, but at any rate, though, lost in all of this, 
is the news that Kyrie Sane is indeed officially done with WWE. Um, this was taped on the same night that she beat Bailey on Raw. So uh, that was her official final match in WWE. She went out with a win, which was a bit surprising. I'm not really sure why they would have. I mean, I guess they have her beat Bailey, so Bailey could attack her on Raw. I guess that makes sense. Um, but what a weak way for her to go out by getting attacked backstage, getting thrown into a wall. It's not like as if you mentioned, like you mentioned, as if she got run over by a car or again, I don't want to see anything over the top like the eye for an eye bullshit. But like, just have Shayna Baszler beat the shit out of her either in the ring or backstage. Bailey roughing her up a little bit, having that be her final appearance. I guess that's nice they explained why she's going away, but I just thought that was weak. And if that's the last that we see of Kyrie Sane in WWE for good, I assume she will be back at some point. Um, I just don't think that was a good way to write her off. What were your thoughts? Yeah, like you said, I would have just had Shayna Baszler beat the shit out of her and then set up Asuka and, and Shayna at SummerSlam. I think that would make the most sense. Don't know why they didn't do that. Like you said, was it like... Yeah, did she get beat up a little bit? Yeah, but to the extent of writing her off TV forever, I think they could have done a lot better than that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely sad to see Kyrie go. I mean, I just not that I – I thought she had a good run. I just – I don't know if they – right when they called her up, she kind of was just on smack on not doing anything. Then eventually they paired up with Asuka. Like, they were good champions, but the belts just never really mean much. So I think they could have done a lot more with her, especially with the, with the Pirate – pirate gimmick they kind of just like once you team with oscar that kind of just went away and i feel like that kind of like made her a little bit different especially on nxt and after she won the may Young classic but i'm um, really enjoyed her nxt run i thought her main roster run left a lot to desire i feel like that's a lot of people mm-hmm. they get my nxt just like she had a decent run but i think they could have they could have made her a bigger star than she is like instead of focusing like you said on sasha on bailey and charlotte and becky I think she could have been another good good player for that division, and they kind of, I wouldn't say squandered it, but they just didn't use her to her full potential, and it kind of sucks to see her go now. Do you think they missed the boat on not doing Kyrie and Asuka at any point? I, I think that's... I, if they weren't going to do Shayna and Asuka at SummerSlam, they should have just done Asuka. Like, they should have made Asuka, like, like you said, like the badass of Asuka again, and then had Kyrie back to her old gimmick. Like I said, maybe like loser leaves town match or something like that, and then she loses the Oscar at SummerSlam for the belt, mm-hmm. or even on just on Raw. If that was her last day, then that could have been it as well. Yeah, or like I said, just have them face each other. Like she gives Oscar like a good run and loses, then maybe maybe they embrace. But besides that, I just I just like I said, I the way that they wrote it off was just kind of shitty. But like I said, her main roster run wasn't the greatest either, so. What do you think the future holds for her? Do you think she stays over in Japan? Um, do you think she may come back? I've heard reports that it doesn't look like she's going to be back to the U.S. And I said on hashtag, it's not completely out of the question for her to show up in AEW if she gets to live in Japan. I mean, maybe not right now with the current circumstances, but uh, do you think we could see her back um, either in WWE or here in the States at some point? Or do you think she's going to stay exclusive in Japan going forward? Um, I, I would just say probably stay exclusive Japan at this point. I mean, I, I don't think you'd want to keep flying weekly from here to Japan. I don't know how that long that flight is, but it doesn't sound too uh, desirable. So I, I think at this point she'll probably just stay in Japan, work over there. It seems like she's going back because that's where her husband lives. So uh, we'll see. But like I said, it just kind of sucks. I thought she could have had a better run. Yeah, I mean, the more I think about it now, I was really 
you know, I, I was really of the mindset that she was staying, but when you really think about it, given the current circumstances, if she lives here in the States, which I'm sure she does, I think she lives in Florida because of her NXT run, she got married in February, I don't think her husband lives here, I think her husband lives over in Japan, she probably hasn't seen her husband since this whole thing started, because he can't travel right now, at least not, like, week to week, like, if you do, I think it might be a 14-day quarantine type thing, I'm not exactly sure what the limitations are on that still, but... It's, she probably hasn't seen her husband in a long time, so I do not blame her at all um, for wanting to leave WWE to go be with her family. Um, I mean, dude, why why leave when you could just stay and get beat up by Nia Jax every single week and almost have your life ended? Yep, yeah, exactly. So it sucks, but just I think, like I said, I just it's kind of the norm that just they don't really get the run that they should have got. But I think they missed the boat on her. Yeah, and most definitely, most definitely. Great talent. Um, looking forward to seeing what she does next. But I definitely agree. I think they missed the boat with her on her. A boat, uh, they missed the boat on her in WWE in terms of uh, how they booked her. I mean, she had a great run in NXT, as you mentioned. But her main roster run, as you mentioned as well, definitely lot, left a lot to be desired. There was a lot more they could have done with her than just have her be a lackey for Asuka. And she had a good tag team title run. But considering her talent and being one of the best women's wrestlers in the world right now, um, it feels like they really... Missed the boat there by, uh, you know, by a lot with Kyrie Sane in WWE. So we transition from that over into NXT from last night before we get to Dynamite. Um, I thought it was a good show. We had multiple matches set up for next week, including Dakota Kai versus Rhea Ripley in a number one contenders match where the winners facing Io Shirai for the NXT Women's Championship at TakeOver 30 um, next month. So on that front, real quick, RJ, who's your pick for that match? Who do you want to see face EO for the championship at TakeOver 30? Um, It's going to be interesting. I feel like we kind of thought it was going to be Kai, uh, Dakota Kai, but now that Rhea's back in the picture, I don't know. Like Maybe they could somehow – Like I don't want to see another triple threat, but I think they could maybe go down that road again, unfortunately. But if it was going to be a one-on-one match, I'd rather see EO and Rhea. I think that would be a really good match. And then maybe – after she beats Rhea, then Rhea can go up to the main roster. But mm-hmm. uh, I, I I liked Kai until Rhea came back. So I, I would say Rhea, I think that would be a better match. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if they like they had, uh, what's her face? What's Kai's? Ra- 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 oh, Raquel, Raquel Gonzalez, yeah. Get involved, or Mercedes Martinez, the whole Robert Stone thing. They could, maybe they could do that. Have Mercedes come out and cost Rhea, and they could do her and Mercedes at. Uh, take over 30, another women's match, and then maybe Mercedes goes over and Rhea just goes up the main roster from there as well, putting over Mar- Martina. So um, either either option, I think, would work. Um, but I'd rather see Rhea at this point. I kind of forgot about her because she hasn't really been on NXT for a while. But all I have to say is Io's got to clean up that moonsault. I thought she was going to kill Candice last night. Gotta- <laughs> I was going to say, it didn't look great. Got to clean it up a little bit. Maybe pull her in a little bit closer. Don't have to be doing it across. Uh, don't be like Brock Lesnar trying to do a shooting star press across the whole fucking ring. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's all I got to say. Just clean up that moonsault. She's still, I think she's been good as champion so far. The matches have been well. Um, just, just clean up the moonsault. I don't want anyone dying here. Yeah, no, I agree. I thought Dakota Kai, I mean, I never really thought that she'd be the one to beat EO for the championship. I thought she just might be more of a transitional challenger. But then I forgot about TakeOver being in a couple of weeks, so... With TakeOver being so close, they got to start setting up the number one contenders and whatever, setting up the matches for the show, and Rhea makes the most sense. That was in my exact idea as well. I assume she loses and moves up to the main roster. NXT has enough talent in that women's division 
where they don't need Rhea there. You said you forgot she was even there because they have enough talent as it is, and I completely agree. Um, Raw and SmackDown have a lot of talent too, but it goes back to what we were saying earlier where they don't really use a lot of it or they just don't use them well. So I kind of fear for her on Raw or SmackDown, but at a certain point you got to move on. And I just don't know if giving the belt back to Rhea would be the best idea right now. Ia has done a lot of great work. Um, she's been booked very well. She beat Tegan Knox. She won last night. She beat Sasha Banks about a month ago. Let's not forget about that. Um, there's no reason to sacrifice that momentum by having her lose so soon um, to uh, Rhea Ripley. So I, ho- I I would hope that she's going to beat Rhea. It's a big marquee match with that takeover. So I assume Rhea as well, I agree with you, uh, beats Dakota Kai next week. Um, also coming up next week, we have Imperium versus Undisputed Era for the NXT Tag Team titles. I honestly almost forgot we had Tag Team Champions in NXT because before last week, or before this week rather, we hadn't seen Imperium on the show in close to a month. So uh, what's your prediction for that match? What is the uh, your overall prediction for the NXT Tag Team division going forward? I would say keep the belt on Imperium. I'm not sure if they were off TV because of COVID, if they were went back to England or what, what the hell was going on, but... I think you keep the belts on them. Undisputed Era, we've said this for a while. I think they've done everything in NXT. I think their time in NXT should be up soon. Obviously, we would hope that there would be a crowd there. doesn't seem like that's going to happen anytime soon. So I wouldn't just keep them down in NXT doing nothing at this point. I would just kind of finish them up and get them called up to the main roster. And the only issue is, like you said, it, just, it doesn't really feel like they've had a tag team division because they don't really have too many teams down in NXT like Brazongo, I, I, I guess. I mean, don't really care about them too much. Undisputed Error, they were off for a while with Kyle Riley gone. Like Imperium a lot, just there isn't really anyone else. So I guess you got to do them in Undisputed Error again. I like that they're kind of bu- building up Ever Rise a little bit. I, 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 they were kind of mostly just a job, and now they have an entrance and kind of different gear. So mm-hmm. maybe these guys a little run or making them a little bit more prominent would be well. But uh, nice to see. Undisputed Era back, but I, I would keep the belts on Imperium. Hopefully, once this COVID stuff clears up, you can have Grizzled Young Vets come back, bring some more people from NXT UK, and kind of replenish that division and give some other, like like you said, Ever Rise or other smaller teams that haven't really got some spotlight, a little bit more momentum. I think they could be prominent once they're given a correct push. You know, I agree. Um, I love me some Undisputed Era, but they've already held the belts three times. I don't really think giving the belts back to them accomplishes anything, and they've already done it all in NXT. Um, another attack team title run would only further delay their main roster call-up. And I've said before, you got to wait until there's fans to call them up, but at this point, I'm not optimistic that's going to happen anytime soon. Um, real quickly, I forgot to write this down here on the notes here. With Adam Cole, with the whole Pat McAfee thing, clearly it worked, right? Yeah, it clearly worked. I can't believe people actually thought it was a shoe. <laughs> Where do you think this is going? We saw Adam Cole last night. They showed a video package addressing it. I was a little bummed, though, that the first appearance of Adam Cole back on NXT TV was attacking fucking Imperium. Like, I, I was really hoping he would come out and address the fact that he's... In, like, are we going to forget the fact that he lost the NXT Championship a couple weeks ago? Like, he didn't even address that. So, uh, I thought that was a little disappointing. Yeah, we'll see what happens. It was, like you said, it was kind of strange that he didn't address that he lost and kind of what happened from there. But, yeah, I mean, I guess I'm not really huge on the Pat McAfee thing. I guess, like, it gets them a little bit more mainstream media attention, I guess. So maybe that's what they're going for with this, trying to get more eyes on the product. But besides that, he's not a trained wrestler. I don't – like, I'm not clamoring for a Pat McAfee, Adam Cole, Matt, so Mm – 
I guess we'll see what happens. But uh, like you said, he is kind of aware that he did lose the belt. Just lost the belt in the last. The next thing he does, he's beating up Imperium with Undisputed Air. I guess kind of just showing they're a force again. But I mean, I think you'd trust him losing the belt and maybe trying to get another chance at it. But who knows? Thoughts on Dexter Loomis and Bronson Reed qualifying so far for the NXT North American Championship ladder match at Takeover? Um, I actually don't mind Bronson Reed. I still cannot give two poops about uh, Dexter Loomis. Loomis. I don't know, like, I don't like his gimmick, really. He's not the greatest in the ring. I just think there's a shelf life for him. I think he's just a preliminary mid-card guy at best. And just, he doesn't do much for me. So, we'll see what happens. I, I'm more in Bronson Reed. I think he's a better story, character, better wrestler. So, we'll see what happens. I like, like I said, I'm higher on Reed than uh, Dexter Loomis. He, they keep pushing him, and I just don't see it. I like them both. You know what? If he's not NXT champion, I'm fine with it. I wouldn't put the North American championship on him, per se, but I, I'm fine with him being in the match. Um, I would have liked to have seen Thatcher in there or Balor. Uh, maybe they could still be in there. I don't know, but that was a little surprising. Uh, we have a qualifier next week with Priest, Ridge Holland, the debuting Ridge Holland from NXT UK, and Oni Lorcan, kind of a random mismatch of wrestlers. Um, who wins that one? I don't even know who Ridge Holland is. Um... I would probably say Priest. I mean, that seems the most most realistic choice. Like I said, I don't know Holland. I wouldn't put Oni Larkin in there. Guy's a, like I said, glorified tag team guy. So I would say Priest. I don't really know much of Rich Holland, so maybe, maybe he's the right choice. But I'd go with Priest. I think Priest may win this whole thing. I mean, I guess maybe Johnny Gargano if he gets involved again. Um, but Priest, he's gone for the championship so many times where I feel like you can't keep having him lose when it matters most. I know you're not his biggest fan, but I feel like he might be the early favorite to win the championship at TakeOver. Yeah, I mean, I think he's grown on me a little bit. I don't love him, but I guess I could probably say stomach him more than I used to. But, um, yeah, I just, like you said, besides Gargano and him, who else would really make sense to, like, I like, like I said, like Bronson Reed or some underneath guys, but they're not really established enough that I'd just throw the title right on them. So, I like you said, I think Priest or maybe Balor or Gargano are probably the front runners, but, uh, yeah, it's nice to see some other guys that really aren't really on TV getting a, a nice little prominent push here. Also from Dynamite on Wednesday night, uh, we'll go over this quickly before we wrap up. Um, I'll just merely go over the highlights, but we had Warhorse answering the open challenge on Wednesday for Cody's AEW TNT title. Obviously, Cody won. Um, what were your early impressions of Warhorse, seeing him for the first time? Yeah, it didn't do much for me. Guy was the little, like you said before, he was Ultimate Warrior in a microwave. <laughs> Guy, I don't know, he just screamed indie to me. He wasn't terrible, but I don't think he was as great as people were pumping him up to be. It was like the whole setup of the match, too, was basically obviously got less offense than Sonny Kiss did, but like this same, like Cody did this, Cody's mannerisms and like heelish things were pretty much the same thing he did against Sonny Kiss. So, I mean, it was a decent match. I don't know. People are clamoring. This guy was like the next big thing. I, I don't. I don't see much in this guy. I think he was decent. Caters to that kind of fan base, but I wouldn't say he's like the next great thing. I thought he was okay at best. Yeah, I didn't really see what the buzz was all about. I thought he had a good match. I thought he looked good in defeat. He impressed me in the ring, but as a character, I don't know. It feels like we've been there, done that with Ultimate Warrior before. Maybe that's the gimmick where he's supposed to be paying tribute to the Warrior. I'm not sure, but. It didn't really do a lot for me personally. I, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, sign Warhorse. Like, there's 10 other people I would, would rather see in AEW before Warhorse. 
Um, but that wasn't the only new face that we saw in Dynamite this week. We also got the debuting Matt Cardona, um, the former Zack Ryder from WWE. I know you're not the biggest Zack Ryder fan, but what were your thoughts on his debut? I know the whole Dark Order thing was completely nonsensical and stupid. They were really just out there. So Sir Cord- uh, Cardona, excuse me, had a reason to come save Cody. Um, I-, I personally was a fan of it. I like the whole Cody Cardona dynamic because they are real friends in real life. Um, they are good friends in real life, so I assume this ends with Cody turning on Cardona after Cody got turned on like twice already. So I feel like the roles might be reversed, and Cardona gets turned on by Cody, and that sounds weird. Uh, Cody turns on Cardona, and then maybe that's when Cody does his whole faction thing with like the Young Bucks, and not the Young Bucks, uh, FTR, and maybe Paige or something like that. Yeah, no, I think if I thought like I don't, I mean I don't really care for Zack Ryder, Matt Cardona for. Like the guy just never really did it for me. I think he looks a lot bigger now. I don't know if he put some extra look in the mm-hmm. uh, in the weight room, but he actually looked pretty big, a lot bigger than he did in WWE. I thought, like I said, his debut was okay. Like the Dark Order just coming out randomly, like you said, was just strictly just so he can get involved. Also, that they also said, I don't know who said it, but someone in the commentary was like, "Oh, why is he here?" And they're like, "Oh, he's Cody's friend." So you know, Cody's got to get his friends hired as well, just like. Young Bucks get their goofy friends' jobs as well. So, <laughs> nice to see him on on uh, AEW. I just, I mean, nice. He'll probably be the next Sean Spears on on Dark every week, but we'll see what happens. Page and Omega beating the Dark Order to retain the AEW World Tag Team Champions. This has got to be building based off the 12-man tag team match advertised for next week. This has got to be building to Page and Omega versus FDR versus the Bucks at All Out, right? Um... Yeah, I guess so. I, I, I think I would rather just do Omega Page versus FTR at this point. Um, the way that they're kind of not teasing it, but yeah, they're kind of teasing it. Basically, like Page is like buddying up with FTR, and then Omega's looking like he's eventually going to turn heel. I think the end game is obviously I would say is Page with FTR in some kind of capacity. They've been teasing friendship and some kind of. Like, they've had his back, and he's kind of been there for them, and Omega's kind of just not there. I think they could eventually, once Paige and Omega lose, and I'm assuming eventually break up, I would put the Paige with them and Omega back with the Young Bucks and the Elite. I think, like, a three-man or six-man tag with them would be a lot of fun. But, uh, yeah, good match. I didn't think it was the greatest match they've had as tag team champions. It just kind of felt like another tag team match for them, so... Good to see the Dark Order get their opportunity because they've been number one contenders the last three months. So uh, that was good, but I just don't really understand, like, like the Dark Order, like, they're nice and all. I just don't really see them above a certain level. Mm-hmm. Brody Lee could give two poops about him as well. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. The next week's six-man, 6v6 clusterfuck will probably be as cluster as the uh, five on five match on the show, but we'll see. I mean, I, I, anything with Paige, I'm interested in, so I'll definitely be watching. But we'll see what happens. I feel like it's inevitable that we get the Elite Omega and the Bucks versus FTR and Adam Page at some point. Yeah, that's. I think that's where the end game's gonna go. That's at, that's how it's gonna end. I think Hangman will have some kind of fashion FTR. Yeah, I'm not sure if you all have a faction. I think it'd be cool. I think it might be just... I think they might be just doing this to drive a wedge further between Paige and Omega. Um, with Omega siding with the Bucks and Paige siding with FDR. I think a, I think a faction would be cool. They're definitely going for a faction with Cody and FDR. I don't know if Paige would be involved. 
Um, just because we've seen Tully Blanchard scouting FTR. We've seen him scouting Cody before on Dynamite and Dark. So that's where I feel like this is headed. Um, we'll see if Paige is involved, but I wouldn't hate it just because they have such good chemistry together. Um, anyway, so also from AEW, real quickly, we had another uh, familiar face pop up on the show, that being the former Cameron from WWE. Um, Arion, I believe her real name is. I don't think it's Arion. I think it's Arion Andrews, the former Cameron, the Funkadactyl from WWE. We both got a good laugh out of this. Um, I just, I couldn't believe it, honestly. I know she's teaming with Nyla Rose in this throwaway women's tag team tournament. I could give two fucks about that, honestly, um, just because it hardly means anything. They got to focus on their own women's division before they could focus on a women's tag team tournament. Um, I just, I don't know. Of all the women they could have brought in, it felt like Brandy Rhodes was pulling strings for an old friend of hers from WWE. No, I mean she's been she's been gone probably since I think it was WrestleMania 30 was her last uh, her last show. Maybe she was down in NXT at some point after that. But I mean, I, she I think she's been gone at least since 2016. So honestly, glad to see her back. Probably been training really hard. Four years of training. She <laughs> probably the next Charlotte in a couple. Once we once she's back in this tournament, you'll see what what WWE missed out on her. I mean, she's been gone for four years acting. I I mean she's probably been hitting the ring every week, so uh, can't wait for uh, Cameron to be back in uh, wrestling her and Nyla Rose. I mean, I think they're the shoe-ins for this Tag Team Cup tournament. I mean, who else could beat them? She's been training for four years. Nyla Rose is a beast, so that's that's who my pick is. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Yeah, I just, I I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. Um, You know, she's just terrible. I know she was, she's been gone for a few years, and I saw someone say, I mean, why would they bring this clown in? She's terrible. Like, she gave up on wrestling, and then someone said, no, WWE gave up on her. Like, shut the fuck up. Like, you're saying, like, she's, like, this This was a, a misbooked talent. Like, she had such higher potential. Like, no, they actually kept her around a little longer than they probably should have. The fact that she was even signed coming out of that 2011 Tough Enough show over Martin, who was the uh, Marty the Moth from Lucha Underground, or Luke, who was great, a number, Ivelisse, for God's sake. I think Ivelisse actually did get signed later on. Um, but the fact that she was the first signed was comical to me. And she was the first one eliminated, too. She was the infamous, oh, my favorite match is Melina versus Alicia Fox, which I'm sure she's been watching on repeat since 20, uh, 2011 just to get back in the ring for this match. But, yeah, I just, uh, who gives a fuck? Like, I don't know. I just, I just thought that was a really dumb call. You can't, yeah, I know, you know, Matt Cardona, as you said, he's a Cody, he's a friend of Cody's, but he's actually good. I could see him getting a shot and doing well. Cameron just is not worth the time, and there's so many other people I would rather see in this company before a, a, a Cameron, but well, you know what? She'll probably be gone. Um, it's not even really worth complaining about, and I'm sure she'll just get eliminated and have that be it, but uh, I mean, kind of kind of a disappointment. People were like, oh, what about Awesome Kong, and I don't know what the fuck her deal is, but um, anyway, I thought that was a joke. So, also, finally, from Dynamite on Wednesday, MJF calling out John Moxley for All Out for the AEW World Championship before Moxley and Darby Allen knocked off Ricky Starks and Brian Cage in a no-DQ Tornado tag team match. Um, MJF and Moxley seems like the right way to go for All Out. We've been seeing this for a while now. Um, does MJF win the World Championship at All Out RJ? That's a good question. I mean, I would, I want to see him win. I, I don't think he will. I just, I think as I just, the one issue is if he doesn't win, what do you do with them from, the issue is more of if he doesn't win, then what do you do with, from there? Cause like if you lost, then you wouldn't have a rematch. You've seen him and Cody before kind of been there, done that already. 
Um, and Cody's probably going heel as well, so you probably want to do him and MJF again. So I want him to win. I think it's the right move, I would say. Like, Moxley's cool and all. I just, I don't know, I just don't really think his right reign has really been that good. Every match has kind of ended in some fucking dusty finish and never really followed up from there. And I'm just, I don't know, not a big... Never really been his biggest fan in WWE. I understand why they probably put another belt on, just another recognizable name. But I think it get MGF. It would make MGF a big star if he could beat Moxley and become the champion. So I, I would I would put the belt on MGF. I think if the time's right, they haven't really used him a lot. I think that's he even said in his promo he's never been on the show two weeks in a row. They put him out out in the crowd with a bunch of losers. Not sure why they've been doing that. It doesn't really make sense of building up this guy to look like any other fucking A.W. Dark scrub. Mm-hmm. Like he's, so, I'd put the belt on him. I haven't been a big fan of Moxley Reign. Like I said, hasn't really been that good, I I don't think. But uh, we'll see. Yeah, I think he loses. Um, I've seen some people say that maybe they build to Omega, being the one to be Moxley for the championship after he lost to Moxley last year. Um, I, I could certainly see that, that after he breaks away from Paige, and Paige, maybe Omega wins the championship for Moxley. And Paige is the one to be Omega for the championship. Is that something that you would want to say? Um, I just don't know where I, that puts MJF. That's the thing. Yeah, that's the that's my biggest problem. That's like like it's just I like MJF a lot and I love Hangman a lot, so I want to see both of them do something of note. But like just like Omega is like another perfect example. Like has he like for how much claim he came in with? I just feel like his run in AW has been just meh. I mean. He just felt like another guy. I don't think he's really done anything that special. Same with Moxie. Like I, he's been all right. I just don't think his title run's been that good. He's on the show constantly cutting weird promos. I mean, I don't know. I would put the belt on MGF, put a fucking original guy, put the belt on him. Maybe if it tanks, it tanks. But I think he's popular enough that he could carry the, not, yeah, carry the company. I think they need to branch away from WWE guys, and I think he'd be the perfect perfect one to take the belt off him and like i said if he loses what do you do for him it's more the fact that if he loses what do they do with him from there mm-hmm. he would have one loss his only singles loss and then what do you do with him then like does he go back in line does he do nothing again just i don't know because like you said eventually obviously your page and omega are going to break up one of them will definitely get a push and go for the ch- championship but then it's like if mgf's the champion and then like omega beats page and he's a heel now then there's two heels, and I mean, it doesn't really matter. They don't really do heel and face and on AEW that much. But I mean, I, I'm more worried about what they do with MJF than after him losing. Then that's why I'd rather see him win because I fear for him if he loses. I mean, I fear for him now because he's been directionless forever. He's finally getting a match, you know, of importance at the pay-per-view. But I feel like before this, he had been floundering since the Cody match back at Revolution, and that was five months ago. So. I agree. I think he still loses, but I don't know what you do with him. He already faced Cody. He beat Cody. Maybe he goes after Cody in the TNT title. Eh, I don't. I mean, Cody's going heel. It looks like so. I don't know about that. Um, we we've been over this before. They need more top baby faces. Like he can't feud with Paige and Omega while they're in a fucking tag team. And Darby Allen is already doing his thing right now with Cage and, and Starks. And uh, yeah, Cardona. Yeah, I don't know. They, they need more people. They need more people on the on the upper babyface echelon um, part of the card. And hopefully, we see MJF, whether it be with some gold or in a, in a, in a, in a, in a program of importance before long. And I know he's feeding with Moxley, but 
I really hope it's not a Brody Lee situation, which I know kind of came out of nowhere. They weren't originally planning on that. They had to fast track that feud uh, due to the circumstances. But I don't want to see him end up like a Brody Lee where he goes for the championship and then it's all downhill from there. That's what I really don't want to see. So I guess time will tell. But that's going to do it, Mr. Marceau, for today's episode. Um, Great time, as always. People can check out new episodes of the show every single Thursday right here on uh, NextDayWrestling.net, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Podbean, Google Play. We're all over the place. So rate the show, subscribe to the show, search for the show. All that stuff is uh, greatly appreciated. And, um, yeah, we'll be back here next week talking all things Raw, Dynamite, and NXT once again. And I should be putting my interview with uh, Braun Strowman, the monster among men from a few weeks ago, at the beginning of the show as well. People can find you on the Twitter machine, Mr. Marceau, at RJ underscore Marceau, myself at WrestleRant. Um, any final thoughts, Mr. Marceau, as we uh, close down and right off into the sunset here? Uh, nothing really. I just hopefully we'll see what happens going in the all out and NXT 30. Hope they do the right thing and uh, keep putting keep promoting each brand directly and just enjoying Wednesday nights. I think a lot of people lose that sight, but uh, that's what I would do. I agree. Yeah, this is our first time talking about the Wednesday night shows in, in a few weeks. I'm glad we got back to it, but exciting times are ahead between SummerSlam, TakeOver 30. We got All Out in early September. Um, unfortunately, I will not be seeing you over SummerSlam weekend, very likely due to it not happening in Boston. But, hey, if you get the call and Vince wants it in your backyard, just let me know and I'll be the first one there to help you set it up. All right, sounds good. <laughs> Take care, Mr. Marcel. Catch your ass down the road. Yeah. Adios. Yeah.